It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are looking live at VSIN Primetime. Live from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas, here's Tim Murray and Jonathan Von Tobel. Hour two of VSIN Prime Time alongside Jonathan Von Tobel. I am Tim Murray. Keeping our eyes on uh, the prize. The prize. Yeah, that's right. Penn State, Illinois going on right now in uh, Western Pennsylvania. Eh, more central Pennsylvania, actually. Uh, Penn, Important detail. Penn State. I know it is. Uh, Penn State leads 30 to 26 currently. Uh, took a little first half, a little full game. Let's go, Nittany Lions. Hopefully get an outright win. That would be lovely. Duke and Miami about to get underway. Uh, any opinion just before we hit uh, some of these best ATS teams and a little primer heading mm. into uh, the second half. Um, a little primetime primer. We did not give out any bets in the 7 o'clock games. Uh, we did have a best bet from Jim Root. He likes under in Notre Dame-Louisville. Uh, I think Louisville's Gonna win because the market has moved four points in that game, uh, which is pretty wild. Um, got Clemson, Georgia Tech, Duke taking on Miami. I know Miami was a popular dog in the game that we're very curious to see. St. John's and Georgetown. How does St. John's come out after getting absolutely thrown under the bus by Rick Bettino, uh, as that game sits at seven and a half? Uh, so uh, anything you're looking to... Uh, attack here in those early games. Yeah, I, I thought Miami did kind of stick out here, right? I mean, three out of their last, they've lost four straight. Three out of the last four, though, have come on the road. You come mm-hmm. back home here uh, to take on Duke, so it's nice to get a little reprieve and, and play. Get a couple days off, then get ready at home for a big spot against the Blue Devils. Interesting when you always see some of the projections and the market move against those projections, right? I think uh, the at least Ken Palm projection was about a four-point win. Am I right? No, six-point win, excuse me. Uh, so we're, we're, we're moving in that direction to match that number, but 
I think when you look at it, I think Miami's got a little bit more to offer, especially given the last four games haven't gone their way. So figure coming back home, they'd be pretty live, but not enough to jump in and take seven with uh, the Hurricanes. But I thought that was the top one and when I was t- taking notes and getting ready for the show. Today. Yeah, I looked at it. I uh, was curious about Georgetown. Didn't ultimately pull the trigger there. Just curious if that's a, if that's a team. Oh, watch that, man. <laughs> if that's a team that uh, ultimately that I would uh, be looking to uh, to back here. But all right, uh, we will keep our eyes on all of those games. We will cheer on uh, Jim Root's play of Notre Dame-Louisville under 136 as that game uh, just started up in uh, at the KFC Yum Center. Uh, so I'll keep our eyes peeled on that one. Second half, or the home stretch, as JVT likes to call it, of the NBA season gets going tomorrow. And before we get into some adjusted win totals and kind of wrap up, uh, all of uh, the futures thoughts on uh, on the second half here. Let's just take a look at the best and worst ATS teams at the break. We'll start with the best, JVT, and kind of give our thoughts on what to do with them moving forward. So your best mm-hmm. ATS teams in the NBA, the Orlando Magic, 36-19 and 19 against the spread, 30-25 and 25 straight up. The Oklahoma City Thunder, 33 and 21 ATS, 37 and 17 straight up. The Philadelphia 76ers, 31 and 23 ATS, 32 and 22 straight up. The Pelicans, as we put it on the screen there, 30, 24 and 1 ATS, 33 and 22 straight up. And then the Jazz at 31 and 25 ATS and a straight up record of 26 and 30. So let's go team by team, JVT. What do we do? Has the market caught up? Do we still look to back these teams? What's your mindset? Starting with the Orlando Magic, best team against the spread this year at 36 and 19. What do we do with the Orlando Magic moving forward uh, as they open up the season on the road tomorrow as a seven and a half point dog at Cleveland? Yeah, I think you you probably keep this going for the most part against Orlando. Like, it's not a team that I'm actively looking to play against. We'll put it that way. And they finished the second half on a strong note. They, they started the season as one of the best ATS teams in the NBA. Kind of waned off a little bit. But in the last 10 before the break, 8-2 and two ATS. So they have gotten back to their ways. And part of it is that they're healthy now. So I think when you're talking about a team, Tim, that is top 10 in terms of defense or floating right around there, I think they're sixth right now in non-garbage time defensive efficiency, giving up just 113.1 points per 100 possessions. Uh, this is a team that has the makings of consistently being a good ATS squad. So I wouldn't shy away from Orlando for any reason whatsoever. Uh, they've also been very good at home, which is where you kind of want to back them. But either way, they've been great. But covering 68% of their home games so far this season, they're 18-7 straight up, 17-8 and against the spread when playing in Orlando. So I think at the top of the list, Orlando, they are rightfully there. And I don't think there's really any signs that they're going to fall off. So I would not go. Uh, there's maybe a couple teams that you can circle to potentially go against. We'll talk about one of them. But I do think that with Orlando, it's one that you consistently continue to play on if you have been, considering how good they've been. Because there's no signs that they're going to slow down. So what do you expect from uh, the Magic uh, moving forward? Right now, to participate in the play-in tournament there at even money, at plus 100, uh, 30 and 26, as I mentioned, JVT. So looking ahead for this Orlando team who is currently eighth in the Eastern Conference, does it surprise you that they're even money to uh, to participate in the play-in tournament? 
no, not really, because I think first off, like while there's only a they're half only a game, game, they're only a half game back. In yeah, the Pacers. they're only a half game back, and, and they're actually tied in the loss column with the Pacers, which is always good, right? You can't make up losses. Um, but having said that, the, I think one of the things that's going to keep them out of this, and it's a testament how good they are defensively. But Tim, to be 24th in offense and still come out on top in terms of your net rating as a positive, a plus 0.9, speaks to how well they've played defensively, but I think that's ultimately what holds you back in terms of maybe grabbing a top six seed. When you look at what the upper mobility is of some of the teams in front of them, I, I think there's more of a reason to believe in those teams to at least consistently win and, and get in top of the uh, excuse me in the top six as opposed to what you're looking at for Orlando. They're so bad offensively that I wouldn't really trust that they're going to be able to do that. And for Orlando as well, they do have that. In, this works in their favor. They do have the easiest remaining schedule by remaining strength of schedule, so that could help them out here. But they also play in the Eastern Conference, but they still have a grand total of five games against the Pistons and the Hornets. They've still got matchups with the Wizards, the Grizzlies, and the Toronto Raptors that all could help them, of course, move along. And in terms of their hardest opponents, only one game each against Cleveland, the Clippers, the Knicks, and the 76ers. So it could work in their favor, but I just don't trust them offensively enough to think that they're going to be able to climb their way out of the bottom four. All right, the Orlando Magic, the best cover team, first half of the season, 36-19 and against the spread. Verdict, keep riding with some Orlando Magic uh, moving forward. What about the Oklahoma City Thunder, JVT? 33-21 ATS, 37-17 and 17 straight up. Currently a game and a half back of the Minnesota Timberwolves for first in the Western Conference. 33-21. and 21. It does feel like for the most part the market started to catch up. They're a two-point favorite Thursday, tomorrow night, against your Clippers. Can't wait to watch. What do we do with the Oklahoma City Thunder? By the way, it looks like we're going to get Gordon Hayward on the floor for the first time for the Thunder, so that's going to be good. Um, look, I'll just put it this very simply. Over the last two and a half seasons, this team is covering at about a 60% clip. Why stop now? They are not only the second-best cover team in the NBA, Tim. They are covering, on average, by 3.8 points per game. That is best in the NBA. So this has been a team that's not only covering, they're covering with relative ease by comparison to what you usually see. But by 3.8 points per game, it, it sounds crazy for a team that is the, what, floating around first or second in the Western Conference. They're undervalued. They continue to win and cover. Now, they did enter on a little bit of a low note overall. They did get a pretty solid win right before the break um, and a cover in their last game. That was against Orlando, who we just talked about, and they did win and cover against Sacramento, but that was part of a stretch and that it interrupted a stretch in which they were 1-6 and six ATS in the previous seven games. So maybe we're starting to see the market even out, but Tim, we're talking about a team that this year has covered 62% of their games and over the last two and a half seasons has covered 60% of their games. It's hard to really make the case that you should go against this team at the window. Philadelphia 76ers, no Joel Embiid. Yeah. They are a one-point favorite tomorrow night against the New York Knicks at home. 31-23 and 23 ATS, 32-22 and 22 straight up on the year. Currently, the Philadelphia 76ers sit in fifth in the Eastern Conference, a half game back of the New York Knicks for that fourth spot. Philadelphia, moving forward, slight favorite tomorrow night against the Knicks at home. What do we do with the Philadelphia 76ers? Uh, you probably want to stay away. Uh, it's only been nine games, and, and you know the market adjusts accurately, so maybe this is going to be an accurate adjustment. But obviously the reason why Philadelphia is here in terms of the ATS record is because of Joel Embiid and how well he's played. Uh, Joel Embiid is not around. In their last nine games, Tim, they are 3-6 and six straight up. They have a negative 7.6 net rating. They're outscored by 7.6 points every 100 possessions, and they are the fourth worst defensive team in the NBA. 
not a team that you want to ask to win games and either by margin if they're favored or to stay inside of numbers if they're going to be underdogs. I think Philadelphia is a team that you're either going to ride against or you're going to stay away from because and think about it too. I mean, I think I actually had them slated as a potential over team mm-hmm. because when you talk about the way what their backcourt looks like now, uh, you know, with Tyrese Maxey, uh, with Buddy Heald, uh, with I believe Campaign, right? Like these are guys who, and they got rid of Patrick Beverly. These are not guys who are great at the point of attack. So you can start to see these games pick up tempo a little bit, games to play over the total a little bit, just given how poorly uh, that they have been defensively. We've seen it a little bit in the games that we've had without Joel Embiid, but I think I'm looking to play these games over and maybe play against Philadelphia as opposed to playing with this team because they have not been very good without Joel Embiid. All right, final two, positive, and bottom of the hour, we'll hit on the teams that struggled ATS. Uh, Thor Nystrom, by the way, his uh, weekly visit with us, talking some NFL draft, will come up in five minutes. The the New Orleans Pelicans, 30-24-1 ATS, JVT, 33-22 straight up for the Pelicans. Moving forward, New Orleans, by the way, if you're wondering, they are laying six and a half at DraftKings tomorrow against the Houston Rockets. Pelicans, 30-24-1 ATS, fade Follow, stay away. What do we do second half? Uh, Pelicans are a team that I just don't really understand at this point right now. So I think I'm going to stay away from them uh, just because they're not a team that I've had a good read on. Um, And I think by some other metrics, depending on what closing number you use, they're floating right around like the top five, maybe closer to the top ten. And for the Jazz, bet against them with the Charlotte Hornets. I think they're a fade-ish team as we enter the home stretch, considering that the market, I don't think, has adjusted for the pieces they traded away. All right, so fading the Jazz. Keep it rolling with the Orlando Magic. The worst ATS teams will do that in 20 minutes. But up next, Thor Nystrom, and he's got a take on what to bet on the number two overall pick market. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday... 
You can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is VSIN Primetime with Tim Murray and Jonathan Von Tobel on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you haven't already, check it out. Our new uh, website, new and improved, vcin.com. JBT's articles up there on a daily basis. Now that NBA All-Star break is wrapped up, back in action tomorrow. Can't wait to get back to the grind, baby. Got best bets for your golf tournaments coming up. Check it out, vcin.com. Quick update on some uh, college basketball games going on around the country. Eighth-ranked Duke leading Miami 11-7 with 13 and change to go in the first half down in Coral Gables as Duke went off as, I believe, a five-point favorite, seven-point favorite, got bet up at the end. St. John's, we were wondering what they would do in the return. First game since getting publicly destroyed by their head coach and uh, they lead 20 to nine right now over Georgetown 12 and change to go bet that I have in pocket Penn state catching seven and a half full game and four and a half for the first half. It is a four point Illinois lead. The sweat is on for the first half cover here for, uh, for the Nittany line. If you're the St. John's, I can't remember who the kid was that he, that he, Joel Soriano? Was that the one who said he couldn't move laterally? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I, I feel like every good defensive possession, you just like look at the bench and scream, can't move laterally every time. And just beat the crap out of Georgetown. Let's go. I'm with the Johnnies now. I don't think Illinois or Penn State's gotten a stop in the last like eight minutes. It's, it's not good. All right. Thorne Nystrom joins us right now, and he's going to be joining us all throughout the NFL draft season. Fantasy pros, betting pros, where you can – Find all his work at ThorKU on Twitter. And you had a post today, a thread on Twitter regarding the number two overall pick market, which is currently moving towards Jaden Daniels. Drake May still remains the favorite at minus 140. Jaden Daniels sits at plus 120, Thor. What bet would you make and why right now? Well, I, I think the odds are off. Um, I don't think Drake May should be the the favorite guy there. Certainly not at 140. I know it's come down a little bit. I it, it needs to keep coming down. We're still not where it is ac- accurately reflecting reality. 
if you gave me the option of you can have Jaden Daniels and JJ McCarthy or Drake May for that that number two one, I would absolutely take Jaden Daniels and JJ McCarthy over you know over him whatever at an even money proposition. The books are telling you that that's you know I mean they, they have uh, May at, at minus one forty, and I think there's multiple reasons for this. First of all, this just seems to be hearkening back to to Drake May the past year, the perception of it, which was it was a fixed outcome. Caleb was going to go one no matter who was there. Drake May was going to go number two. I don't think people have gotten into the tape uh, this past year with with Drake May. Drake May's game didn't progress this past year. It it stagnated. At best, he he was treading water, whatever. And they played a terrible schedule. I I don't want to hear this stuff about, oh, he didn't have a good supporting cast. He didn't. Last year, the year before, he had uh, Josh Downs, who is, you know, a day two pick. He played in the Phil Longo offense, which everyone knows is is one of the best uh, for quarterbacks, one of the quarterback friendliest ones. This year, he has Tez Walker uh, for most of it. Nesbitt is a good tight end, et cetera. And they have a solid pass blocking offensive line as well, going up the, against this procession of terrible defenses. Washington and Cliff Kingsbury. Washington hires Cliff Kingsbury. Everybody knows last year he was coaching Caleb Williams at USC. Yeah, obviously, we don't anticipate that Caleb Williams is going to get to number two. But if you look through the history of Cliff Kingsbury uh, quarterbacks that he has worked with over the years, you get nine of them going back to A&M with Johnny Football, uh, Texas Tech, Davis Webb, Baker Mayfield, Pat Mahomes. Uh, and then he had two statue guys, NFL Kyler Murray, USC last year, Caleb Williams. First quarterback he ever worked with was Case Keenum. Six of those nine guys are guys that went outside of structure, extend plays, went, went outside of structure. The only three that are the pure pocket passer guys, Davis Webb, he kicked out of Texas Tech, benched him, and then he transferred out to Cal when they went with uh, Mayfield-Mahomes there. And then the other two, it was his last two years at Texas Tech, Shamanic and Alan Bowman. Uh, and obviously, things were not going well. Cliff had picked a different outside-of-the-pocket creator guy, handpicked him as this guy named Jet Duffy, who, because of legal problems, off-the-field problems, and then an injury, was not able to start those last couple of years. Obviously, that's when, when Cliff ended up getting fired. Drake May, whole point of the thing, Drake May is the worst out of structure, out of the pocket quarterback of the top four. Not even close. I mean, whether you want to go by the the film, whether you want to go by the stats, whatever it is, I don't think he fits what Cliff Kingsbury typically looks for in a quarterback. I also think he's a bit in play. He might quarterback four in addition to that. But even if you disagree with my eval on it, I, I'm not sure that, that that you can argue that he is a, a, a perfect tailor-made fit for what Cliff traditionally looks for in a quarterback. So one of the things, Thor, that I, I'm kind of having trouble with when it comes to these quarterbacks uh, is the sudden love this offseason for J.J. McCarthy. Can you walk me through this? Because if he was as good as he's, right, Harbaugh is making him out to be, or some would, would say, why wasn't he asked to do more? And I feel like when I've watched him, personally, I'm not sure if he's a guy that's maybe even a first-rounder as opposed to like solidly inside of the top 10 that many people believe he is. Yeah, it depends. It depends on you know what you're looking at. The volume stats are are you know what they are, whatnot. Um, Ten of those games that Michigan played this year, they had a 21 plus point lead. Seven of the fourth quarters that they played in, JJ McCarthy did not take one snap. You start to look at different stats. JJ McCarthy goes from appearing to be statistically a mid quarterback to objectively being one of the top two in the class, maybe three if you want to push it there. Uh, one one stat that I would point to last year, first half passing attempts minus screens. J.J. McCarthy had the most of those top four guys, 199. May had 194. Daniels had 184. Caleb Williams at 167. Uh, percentage of attempts on third and six or plus. J.J. McCarthy leads the class in that, uh, that were successful. Percentage of pass attempts minus screens against top 25 defenses. In other words, how much did that coaching staff 
trust that guy against good competition. J.J. McCarthy's easily first in this class. I. 49.7% for J.J. McCarthy. Caleb Williams is 35.4. Drake May was 17.9. Jaden Daniels was 16.2. Like, game script is what it is. When, when you're up by 28 points in the fourth quarter, you're not going to have J.J. McCarthy ripping it downfield. You, 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 you have to look away from the volume stats into the high-efficiency ones, the grading, and then some of these other different ones that are pointing at the truth. Thor Nystrom joining us here on VSIN Primetime. I want to sit, uh, switch to the wide receiver position, and uh, obviously it's a loaded class headlined by Marvin Harrison Jr. And yesterday, I believe it was uh, Daniel Jeremiah who had a mock draft that came out and had Harrison going three to the New England Patriots. JBT and I talked about it a little bit yesterday on the show. So Harrison to go three is plus 225. Him to go to the Patriots is plus 350, Thor. How do you evaluate Marvin Harrison Jr.? And then when you look at the Patriots, where are you on the belief that they are definitely going quarterback? Yeah, I I, I didn't see that one, but I think, you know, and I, obviously I haven't talked to DJ about it, but like I, I think the thinking there would be he's more projecting the slight trade down and that they won't be taking a quarterback. I have to assume is what that is. We already know that there was the report out there that the Patriots were going to listen to offers, whatnot. I'm not sure if he's saying for sure that this is, you know, what he would think is going to be the stick and pick. I'm guessing that that has more to do with it. As far as the top three wide receivers, I think they're way closer than has been commonly depicted. You know, it's sort of like what I think about the quarterbacks, where I I don't think it's like clearly Caleb, then clearly Drake May. Like, I I don't see it that way. It's the same with those top three receivers. I think you can make an argument for an Odunze. I think you can make an argument for a neighbor's certainly to the point where you wouldn't just stick at three if you're getting a fairly decent offer to just move down four, five, six slots. And you know for sure that at least one of those three guys is going to be there. I don't know why you wouldn't take that in addition to the the additional equity that you'll get and pay the dude that you end up picking less slot money. Who's the first offensive lineman going and why? Joe Alt. Uh, Joe Alt is by far the best two-way tackle in this class. Fashanu is... Fabulous as a pass blocker. And and that's where, you know, he gets all the hype, but not he's a finesse tackle. Uh, that is for some people. It's not for some people. He has struggled in his career run blocking. There's things that, that can be done, hopefully, to to improve that, the angles and the tech the technique, different stuff like that. He's never gonna be a, a pure role grader. Joe Alt, there is zero questions about his evaluation. He has been doing this for years and years. He has dominated both ways. I think he's gonna test like a really good athlete as well. It's gonna be Joe Alt. All right, Thor, before we let you run, uh, we talked about Bo Nix, and uh, you you gave your thoughts on that. Where are we on Michael Penix, and uh, where do you think ultimately is the most likely round for Penix? Um, Those guys, I would say, I I think at the end of the day, one of them is going to go like, you know, mid to late second. The other one's going to go like early third. Okay. Um, You know, how does that end up shaking out? We'll have to see some of that. We'll have to do with Michael Penix's uh, medical, the combine, the medical stuff guy who had four season-ending injuries in a row his first four years at Indiana. Two of them were, were knee injuries. He needs to get checked out by the team's medical staff of, like, there's not additional risk for injury or, or additional risk that his, his career is going to get cut down whatnot. Obviously, the, on the field, the evaluation, he suffers in terms of the mobility and when being pushed off the spot, pressured. He needs that base under him. So when he doesn't move at all in the pocket, he, he has that halo around him. That's where you see the really good throws of Penix, the really good reads of Penix. When he pushed off the spot, that that's where it starts to go down. But with Penix, I, I would say 
my guess would be late second round, somewhere around there. I, I think he's been inflated, the, you know, in the process. Same thing with Bonex. And I think as we get closer, you'll start seeing them filter down even more. Daniels to go number two, plus 120 is where Thor would throw his money today in that draft market. There he is, Thor Nystrom at Thor KU on Twitter. is VSIN Primetime with Tim Murray and Jonathan Von Tobel on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for a betting edge on college basketball, the VSIN experts have got you covered. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber today and get our daily best bet emails, 24 7 video access. The upcoming College Hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, plus full VEASAN access to VEASAN.com with that exclusive betting split breakdown on every game. Head on over to VEASAN.com slash pro to subscribe today. VSIN.com slash pro. Well, it wasn't an official play, but it was one that I played, so. Did not come home. Penn State uh, started off strong and then went out with a whimper. In the first half, we're still alive. Down 48-41 at the half. We're taking seven and a half for the full game here, so uh, hopefully Mike Rhodes can get his squad ready to roll there in the second half at Rec Hall. Um, We were wondering, JVT, what would St. John's look like after Rick Pitino called him out after the Seton Hall loss. Uh, So far, so good. St. John's up 35-16. to on Georgetown with 6.28 to go in that one. Uh, impressive start for Duke on the road at Miami. They got bet up a little bit. 24-14 to 14 is the lead there for the Blue Devils at Miami with uh, under eight minutes to go in uh, in the opening half. A couple other games uh, of note going on at this point in time. Uh, 16th-rate Dayton. On the road at George Mason, leads 25-23. Florida with a lead on the road at Bama, 29-22. Still to come tonight, a play from Jim Root. He is on Kentucky, excuse me, LSU, plus the six uh, in that spot. Uh, we do have a top 25 showdown at the pit with our new favorite team, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are now laying. I don't know why I said that so sassy. Did yeah. I say, mm-hmm. did I see an eight? Yeah, up to eight. Eight at some spots for the Lobos against Colorado State. Yeah, that home court is Holy smoke to the moon. Man. Wow. I, Eight? I get it. They, they've been very good at home, but I think we're, we're, we're looking at a point where we're probably becoming a little too overpriced with how good they've been at home. Uh, and you go back to the game they against... lost uh, two games at home. Right, I was going to say, and you go back to the last home game they had versus UNLV. They closed as a 12-point favorite. They lost that game outright. You mentioned that the Boise State game, they were 10.5-point favorite, lost that game outright. Um, and yes, they beat the crap out of Nevada. And for the season at home, they are 9-3 and three against the spread. But I, th- I think we're at the point now, like this is always what you talk about when it comes to market adjustments, right? If you've kept track of New Mexico, you've slowly seen the numbers that they're laying just go up and up and yep. up if you compare it and weight it for an opponent. And I think we're at the point now where, man, like Colorado, I mean, Colorado State's not a pushover, right? Like, they're top 25 team in the country. Right. They're a very good team. They have very good guard play. They're very well coached. Uh, I think we're getting to a point where, and we talked about it with, uh, with Matt Medcalf, right? Which, by the way, you can see the clip on Twitter at VEASAN Live. Thanks to Jeff Benson for retweeting it. Um, yeah, there we go. Appreciate it. Um, which is... 
Like, you know, maybe there's just a point where you move this up until you see a point of resistance and you bring it back down. Maybe it's not just coming in on this number, but I do think that we're getting to a point where you might get some buyback here. Yeah, and uh, New Mexico coming off a loss to San Diego State, obviously, uh, on Friday night. Look, I think New Mexico wins this game. Uh, I put them in a money line parlay last night. I, I texted you last night. Uh, UNLV can't lose at Air Force, oh, right? you didn't do it, did you? I did. You did Mount West parlay, huh? Yeah. UNLV? And New Mexico. I was sitting in that. I was sitting in that building where they blew that game to Nevada over the weekend. That was amazing. Um, That's my only worry. So I hit play. I, I hit play. It was minus one hundred three overnight. It's now minus one forty. UNLV is a unique team in that. I think you'd agree with this. I think on any given day they could be any team in the Mountain West. Like from top to bottom, they can be any single one of them. Yeah. But from top to bottom, they can lose to any single one of them. And I mean from top to bottom. They lost so, by how many to Air Force at uh, home? 30-ish. 32? Yeah, something like that, yeah. 90 to 58. Now, it's a big revenge spot, to your point. And they are laying points on the road. And if there was a game you'd be ready for, you, you would, would think, think you it'd would be going on the road to Air Force. this one. But if you follow the Mountain West, I know you do, some crazy things happen up there when you go to play Air Force. So. It's going to be, it's going to be a fascinating why, game. That's why I'll say, we, we make official plays. You can always check them out, vcin.com slash picks. Uh, this Moneyline Mountain West Parlay, not an official play, uh, because taking a road team on a Moneyline Parlay scares the bejesus out of me. But uh, that is a play I will be sweating out later on tonight. I'll be, watch, I'll be watching with you, baby. All right, let's, uh, let's get to, we did it to start this hour. Let's now hit on the worst ATS teams from the first half of the season, and we'll start with the Atlanta Hawks. 17-38 and 38 ATS in the first half. The Fighting Hawks. They're not fighting. Uh, they, no, there's no fight. 24-31 and 31 straight up, JBT, and 17-38 and 38 ATS. They are not playing tomorrow, but they do play no. Friday against Toronto. Do we continue the fade train that is the Atlanta Hawks? <sighs> yes. I mean, so here's the thing. They did go into the break on a in, on an upward um, trajectory, right? Before their last two games, which they had both lost and failed to cover, uh, they did go on a stretch where they went 6-1 and one against the spread. Now, a lot of those games were as part of, I believe, is a six-game homestand. So I don't know if you want to buy too much into it. You have a six-game homestand. Generally, you should perform pretty well. They caught some teams resting players, too. So it was, a, it was a stretch that made some sense in which they were going to have some success. But, Tim, one of the things that has just, like, flummoxed me throughout this entire season has been the way that the market has rated Atlanta. Like, they, they, they're almost Milwaukee-esque, where you just see the stubbornness where the, the, the market refuses to adjust to this team. And, by the way, you're looking at somebody – who has, and this is why I'm so pissed off, a ticket on them to win the division. This is supposed to be the year. You had Quinn Snyder in the offseason. You're supposed to implement your stuff. You're supposed to be great. And that hasn't been the case. They are not only the worst cover team in the NBA, Tim. They're doing it by a margin. They are also the worst cover team by margin. They're failing to cover by 3.4 points per game. So this is what I mean, right? Like It's not like they're failing to cover and they're floating around average in terms of spread differential. They're failing to cover by a wide margin. They stink. And so until you see the market make real adjustments on this team, I just don't know how you really come back and think, you know what, this team's going to turn it around. And specifically, at home, they are 13-15 and 15 straight up, 8-20 and 20 against the spread. They're covering at a 28% clip when they play at home. And that's after the home stretch that I just told you about, in which part of it they went 6-1. and one. Like, that's... It's it's mind-boggling how bad this team has been against the number, but it's because the market has too big of expectations for them. So until you see anything, sorry, want no part of Atlanta. 
All right. Uh, so bet on Atlanta. Got it. Yeah, right. Very concise there. Write them right. home, baby. <laughs> a team that is uh, very different from Atlanta from at least a win-loss standpoint, the Milwaukee Bucks, second worst cover team in the NBA, 21-34-1. They do have a straight-up record of 35-21, and 3-7 and seven straight up since Doc Rivers took over uh, as the head coach of the Bucks. And uh, if you didn't see it, during the All-Star break, sitting down with SiriusXM NBA radios, he said, I told them, I don't understand why you're doing this. Doc Rivers, why they fired Adrian Griffin. He's like, before, but I'll take that money. Before the All-Star <laughs> break. And uh, he still accepted the job. Right. All right. What do we do with the Milwaukee Bucks, who seem to not know what's going on there, but yet they're still going to be priced, as yep. we talked about a lot this week, as one of the best teams in the NBA? Yep, same thing. Uh, either fade or pass. There's, again, from a power rating standpoint, the only thing the Bucks have shown you is that they are a team on the same level as New York or Cleveland. And that's not an insult to those teams. But what I mean by that is they are average to, they're above average teams. Milwaukee's being priced as a near elite team, and that should not be the case given what we have seen. Again, you can look at championship odds where we have them on the screen right now if you're watching the vcin.com, 7 to 1, just around 350 to win the conference. That is not the case for Milwaukee. And again, we talk about cover margin. The second worst cover team in the NBA and the second worst cover team by margin, the Milwaukee Bucks. They have shown us nothing in terms of consistency, specifically on defense, and the offense has started to fall apart as well. I just don't buy it. They should be a team that is on the same level as Cleveland and New York. And I would argue that from a regular season power rating standpoint, Cleveland should be rated higher than what Milwaukee has done at this point right now. So I think there's no question, especially for these last two teams, no question at all that you are looking to play against them or wanting no part until you see the market really adjust on, again, their rating and what you see on a day-to-day basis with, with what they're laying out there on, an, on a night-to-night basis. So here is a team that I do know, we've talked about them Terrible ATS in the first half, but maybe a team to look at here in the second half, and that would be the Charlotte Hornets. 21-33 and 33 ATS, 13-41 and 41 straight up. They open up the second half of the season as a 10-point road dog at Utah. Uh, you are curious about this Charlotte team moving forward. Yeah, I am a little bit here. They, they went into the break 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six games. They won and covered their last three and I think for this team, what's going to be pretty fascinating, by the way, one of those wins and covers outright as a seven-point underdog against the Atlanta Hawks, who stink, um, is this new kind of look after the trade deadline where you now have Grant Williams, you have Seth Curry, you're shooting the ball a little bit more, your two wings are playing very good basketball, Brandon Miller's really growing into his game, Miles Bridges uh, is Miles Bridges from a scoring and basketball standpoint. So I think that there's things, again, when you talk about comparison to their contemporaries at the bottom of the league, there's things to like about Charlotte where, and especially matchups like tomorrow, bad defensive teams, I think they can hang around with some of those in some in some big numbers. So they, they have piqued my curiosity, absolutely. That's JVT. I'm Tim Murray. What do we do with the Nuggets and the Suns? Not great against the number. Do they turn it around second half? We also look at some adjusted win totals. A primetime primer next. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. 
Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. is VSIN Primetime with Tim Murray and Jonathan Von Tobel on VSIN, the sports betting network. This week on DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers can deposit $5 and get a no sweat bet up to $1,000. Bonus bets if your first bet loses. Download the app, use the promo code VSIN, V S I N, when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. Well, don't speak too fast. Those Johnnies who can't move laterally, their lead is dissipating. Down to seven. St. John's, uh, we were keeping a close eye on this one, led by as many as, I think, 17 in this game. It is now 39-32, to uh, one of the more intriguing games, in my opinion, of the night. Duke really putting it on Miami. This This is an impressive showing for the Blue Devils. Up 20 right now on Miami, 38 to 18 in uh, in that one. So an impressive uh, showing there. And how about this? We had talked about it. 
earlier in the show when Jim Root joined the program, Cincinnati to uh, to miss the NCAA tournament was minus 105 at DraftKings. They are in a dogfight with Oklahoma State right now. They trail 35 to 32 at home as a 10 and a half point favorite against the Pokes of Oklahoma State. So a couple games that we're keeping our eyes on here. What do you got for us? Um, two things for you. First off, um, just for you know whatever reason, uh, 39-36, Wofford currently trails with three seconds left in the first half. And I wanted to point out that we do have some breaking news. This is, so you asked me the other day, mm-hmm. right, like, hey, what's the strategy for uh, first day after All-Star break? And I said nothing because I want information. I'd rather attack with some clarity than no. Uh, this is why Sham Sharania just reporting right now, LeBron James out tomorrow for the Lakers against the Golden State Warriors. So you always want some clarity on what's going to happen here. So Warriors right now, about a four, four and a half point favorite. Uh, we'll see if the market does anything there. We think that that's kind of hedging whether or not LeBron is going to play. He's listed as questionable every day. But uh, just uh, throwing that out there. All right. And, uh, and my bet uh, that we are sweating, Illinois leading Penn State 61-50. to 50. So uh, need some work here from the old Nittany Lions. Terrence Shannon is uh, he's pretty good and hard to stop for the old Nittany Lions. Terrence Shannon for Illinois has 22 points on 8 of 12 shooting, 7 rebounds in this game as well, and uh, headed back to the free throw line. I do have a best bet coming up top of the hour, a fade of South Florida after their massive win per Colin Sherwin, third biggest win in school history, sellout crowd for the first time since 2001. We're on UTSA, that game starting at the top of the hour. Apparently I got a bad number because you can get six and a halfs now, so... uh, Let's go Roadrunners catching six at home against the Bulls of uh, South Florida. So that game starting top of the hour. All right. Let's uh, hit on two more teams with bad ATS marks and then take a look at maybe some adjusted win totals that could potentially pique your interest. The Denver Nuggets, the defending champs, 22-32-1 ATS in the in the opening stretch of the season, 36-19 and uh, overall, Denver moving forward at JVT as they are a 15-point favorite tomorrow night against the Lonely Wizards. Fade, follow, stay away, case to case. What do we do with Denver? Yeah, I think you're probably staying away. The, the, the problem, is, and here's the thing, they could kind of turn this on because if you look at the standings in the East or the Western Conference, you kind of might need to, right? Because the teams that are around you are really competing for that one seed in the West. Minnesota right now has a three-game lead over you. You're a game behind the Los Angeles Clippers who are sitting in third, and you want home court. I mean, it's the reason why, right? Denver, it's not the reason why, but Denver has a very strong home court. It's one of the better ones out there. So you want to be able to play at home. And I don't think if you're Denver, now they're going to be favored, and I think they would still win the series. I don't think you want to play Phoenix in a 4-5 matchup, right? So there is something there where... I think you kind of turned this on because there has been this sort of malaise of, hey, we're defending your championship. We're, we're saving this for the postseason, coupled with the fact that their power rating is like all the way up here, which rightfully should be. But I think for the most part, you're staying away from it because the rating on them is not really going to change. And evidence to that fact, too, Tim, if you look at Denver at home this season, just 13 and 13 against the spread, despite the fact that they're 21 and five. So uh, th- this is telling you that. The rating at home is very high. That this team's power rating overall is very high on the road. They're ten and eighteen against the spread. So this is one where you got a team that's just power rated to the moon, rightfully so, because they're arguably the best team in the NBA, and that's not changing anytime soon. Wouldn't want to ride them at all. 
Last one on this list, 26. So the fifth worst, or yeah, fifth worst cover team. Yeah. Uh, Penn State's got awful defensively. Good Lord. Um, the Phoenix Suns, 23-30-2 ATS, 33-22 straight up. But I would imagine, JVT, a lot of that has to do with the fact that this team was not at full strength majority of the first half of the season. So I know Phoenix is a team that you were high on preseason. I believe you still remain relatively high on this Phoenix team moving forward. Maybe a second half uh, win total we'll take a look at here in just a second. But from an ATS standpoint, Phoenix 33 and 22 straight up, but 23, 30 and 2 ATS. Is this a team to look to back from a betting standpoint? Tomorrow, they're a two-and-a-half-point road dog at Dallas. Yeah, I think I think they are. Uh, maybe not immediately out the break because I think Dallas is low-key a team that you might want to start playing on, too, just given the fact that they're finally healthy and together. Uh, but Phoenix has been, in their last 15 games, one of the best teams in the NBA. Uh, they are sixth in spread differential, covering by about 3.7 points per game. If you look at their record over that time, uh, we're talking about an ATS record of, let me double-check my notes here, yeah, 11-4 straight up and against a spread in their last 15 games. And part of it is kind of you're alluding to here is their health, right? Bradley Beal was not healthy for a while. Devin Booker missed time. And so when you get those guys together, this team is very different. Problem is, as you want to double-check Tim, Bradley Beal did have a hamstring injury he went down with right before the break. I think it was against Sacramento. So make sure that they're going to be healthy. Without him, they can still play very well, but they're not the team that went 11-4 and in their last 15 games. So I do think they are a team worth following. I think they're a team that is capable of, they're not going to do it now, but they were a one-seed potential if they were going to be healthy. That's not the case at the beginning of the season, but still a deadly team nonetheless with how well they play on offense. And really quietly, Tim, one of the things they've done very well over these 15 games that I'm talking about, and for the season they're creeping up there too, they are third in offense, not a surprise, fifth in defense. Like, they're playing really solid basketball on the defensive end of the floor. I think that's Vogel's fingerprints on this. They're at least playing at a level. It's not overtly physical, but they're at least smart, and they know where they're at. They're never really out of place. I think it's a team that's going to be a pain in the butt for a lot of these teams once you get to the playoffs. But for the rest of the season, if they're going to be healthy, I think it's a team worth riding for sure. Their adjusted win total at DraftKings, I'm just going to throw a couple at you. I don't know if any of them uh, initially jumped off the page at you. So their adjusted win total is 48.5. 27 games to go for the Phoenix Suns. They would need to go 16 and 11 to get over their adjusted win total. Over, under, or pass on the Phoenix Suns? I think you're going over, especially if they're going to keep up their their current pace. So their current pace over the last 15 games would tell you that they're going to win 61 games over the course of 82, which is a really good pace. Their adjusted win total right now is what again? 48 and a half. Yes, and and at their current numbers for the season, if you're talking about net rating and projecting that over 82, generally that team is winning about 50.7 games according to Cleaning the Glass. So I think that that's a team kind of worth looking at to play over. If they keep up their current pace, I think it's perfectly plausible that they go in that they go on to potentially surpass that win total. The uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, who we hit on as the second worst cover team, thirty five and twenty one. So they have played fifty six games. So their adjusted win total is fifty and a half. They would have to go sixteen and ten to get to their adjusted win total over under for the Milwaukee Bucks. Under. I just don't trust this yeah. team, man. I just—they haven't shown me anything that would say uh, that they're a team that is very much worth a, worth backing here at, at this point right now. So uh, they're very much, I think, a team that I would look to play under if I'm going to play that because I just don't trust what they're bringing to the table here. And by the way, they have underperformed, especially against the spread, Tim. 
with one of the easier schedules. Going forward, they have one of the hardest schedules by strength of schedule left. They have a third hardest schedule by opponent the strength of schedule. So that is something, if I can say schedule again, um, <laughs> that is something that's going to work against them as well, is now you're starting to play the big boys. You were underperforming while picking off some of the weak teams. Now what happens when you have to play the Celtics two more times, the Thunder two more times, the Clippers two more times, Timberwolves and Suns mixed in there as well. A team that you, even from just a straight-up perspective, really want to back second half. And I'll take a look at their adjusted win total. Oh, you're asking me to do yeah, it? I, yeah. I would say Minnesota. All right. So Minnesota has the 20th, uh, the 20th ranked schedule in terms of strength. Uh, so we're talking about what are we around like 10th or 11th easiest. And I'll have to double check the number on this, but they actually have a lot of home games to make up here in the last 27 games. So not only do you have a somewhat easy schedule, uh, but you do have some uh, quite a quite a few home games left on your schedule that you can use to take advantage of that. So I think that's one team that you're circling because their schedule's really easy, and you might have a home-heavy schedule. And the interesting part about them, too, again, when it comes to the race for the one seed, they still have three games left against Denver. So that's going to be a big one, too, because that's going to help you uh, make up for what's going to happen in the one seed. But a lot of home games left for a team that's got one of the easier schedules. I would say Minnesota's one to look for. 39-16 and 16 is their record, 55 games so far. Means they have 27 games to go. Over-under is set at 56-and-a-half. They would have to go 18-and-9 to get to that over. Minnesota Doable. Timberwolves. Vaughn Dozell, what is he like on the late-night slate of college basketball? He'll join us top of the hour. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters— with new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.